another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can holler Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing economic times and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't dictate it is always on a 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. From my personal mobile studio, which is a 2006.5 Jetta Diesel, and uh, last year they made this car, and I'm pretty happy to have one and get 44 miles to the gallon with it. And if this is your first show, don't let that scare you, because I'm not what we call an eco-freak around here. I'm all for conserving energy. I'm all for green energy. I'm all for alternative energy, but I'm for those things because I think it's better for us from a security standpoint. I think it's better for us uh, from an economic standpoint long term to create energy that is, that once it's actually, the systems are built, the energy itself is free in the forms of things like wind and solar. Uh, but I do not believe that my carbon footprint, your carbon footprint, or even lard-ass Al Gore's carbon footprint is destroying the planet. And I don't think carbon offsets are going to save us. And I don't really know what got me off on that other than usually I get on the uh, the mic here and start podcasting uh, once I hit the highway. And today I actually started as I was pulling out of the uh, driveway, backing out and uh, dealing with some visitors that had parked next door. And I had to back around them. So maybe that's what sidetracked me a little bit. Because today we're not talking about green energy and alternative energy. But you know what? Maybe it's time to do another show about those topics topics soon. Uh, today we're actually going to talk about the economy. After yesterday I got on here and told you why I have not been talking about the economy lately. It got me thinking. I dug into a few things about what's going on right now. Decided there were some things that you guys needed to know about it. And I look at it as my job and my responsibility with the Survival Podcast to pick out the things that are most pertinent and going on right now to those that are survival minded, to those that are committed to the credo of living a better life if times get tough or even if they don't, and to to those that understand above all that what you do and how you think matters and impacts your individual life and you have control of your own life and you have responsibility for your own life and that every right that you have comes with an, uh, an associated responsibility for people like that, for people like you that listen to my show, I feel that it's my responsibility to go find this stuff. And uh, that's what I've tried to do from day one. So we've, I've found some things I think we really need to talk about. So I'm going to do that with you today during my drive. And as I always say, that my conversations with you, even though they're fairly one way from a verbal standpoint, because I don't have the ability to let you guys call in or anything, um, it is like a conversation between friends. It's like I phone you up uh, on a cell phone during my drive and we talk about things things and uh, I do take your feedback. You can send me email at jack at the survivalpodcast.com. You can interact with me on our forum which is at the survivalpodcast.com slash forum. You can go to the website which is simply the survivalpodcast.com and you can see an archive of every show that we've ever done. They're all available for download. The most recent 40 or 50 shows, I believe it is, are available for download on iTunes. If you want my very early shows, which had some audio issues like yesterday's did, 
Yesterday was due to an accident, uh, but the beginning was due to my limited equipment. Uh, if you want those older shows, you're going to have to download them directly from the website, and you'll have to uh, put them manually into iTunes if you use your iPod to listen to the show. Uh, before I go into the economic stuff today, I want to talk a little bit about our forum. And I would like to see more of our people that listen to the show get on the forum. The forum is sitting in the middle 400s, 440, 450 members. Uh, we've actually had well over 500, almost 600 people join the forum. Uh, about 100 of those people were clearly spammers, some of them through some automated technology. So we, the moderator staff over there, do a good job of keeping those guys out. Uh, but we want more active participation from the audience. If you've joined the forum but never made a post, please come in and make a post. I mean, at least go to uh, the, the, the site, the sh- show discussion uh, board, and there's an intro thread. Just intro yourself. Say, hey, my name's so-and-so. Here's where I'm from. This is why I listen. You know, get on the forum and, and start meeting people because I'll tell you what, we have an incredible, incredible community on our forum. People are helping each other. People are sharing free resources. People are showing others exactly how they do certain things, from storing food to building a deck in their backyard to how, how to set up garden beds. You name it, if it's about self-sufficiency and survivalism and alternative energy, you know, whatever it is, there's people there. Uh, there's a whole community now just developing of people that are ham operators, uh, ham radio operators. And I've been encouraged to, to get my uh, ham license and, and get into that group as well. And uh, I'll see if I can at some time, folks. It's not because I'm not interested. It's because, well, I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, honestly. Uh, but the forum's just a great place. And, and if you are, a, I keep saying this when I talk about it, but if you're a hardcore military survivalist that runs around with an AR-15 in a, in a militia on weekends uh, training yourself, there, trust me, there's people there that, you know, they're just like you. If you have absolutely no desire to be that guy, and, and frankly, folks, I don't. I'm what I what I call a modern survivalist. In fact, my, uh, my handle is modern survival. That doesn't mean I don't like my guns and I don't go to the range and stuff like that, but I just take a different tact on it. So if you're kind of a middle-of-the-road survivalist like me, where your your focus is more on how can I improve the energy energy uh, usage of my home and, and create my own energy? How can I store food so if something goes wrong, I'm going to be okay? If we have a flu pandemic, I'm going to be okay. How can I grow a garden? How can I become at least 50% self-sufficient as quickly as possible? Those middle-of-the-road types, they're there. I'd say they're probably the majority. And if you're just kind of like, you like to dabble in certain aspects of this, like you're just a gardener and a farmer and you like to grow trees and you know that's kind of your only thing that you really get into there's people like that if you're just a gun guy you know not maybe a, a militia type but just a gun guy that, that likes to uh, to just tinker with guns and do gunsmith and go to the range and see how accurate you can make your rifle and do target shooting or you know stuff like that there's people like that what I'm saying is the survival community is extremely diverse we're not the stereotypical people that the media typically makes us out to be I'd say the vast majority of us are people that are simply committed to doing what I talk about every day, living a better, more more sustainable lifestyle. So that not because, again, some of us are kind of the eco people, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're the eco guy, great, glad you're here. Uh, But most of us that are into these things that are the sustainable living, again, we're not trying to save the planet. We're trying to save ourselves, and through saving ourselves, we're trying to save our country. Because we've grown dependent on things, and that's the type of thing that we talk about in the forum, from one end to the other. So please join in. 
Okay, let's kick it off into the uh, the main topic of today, which is our economy. And, and what really precipitated me to do this is I got an email yesterday from someone who said, Jack, you mentioned the economy briefly. I have one big question. You've talked about this before, but now they seem to be just going through the floor. And uh, more than maybe you anticipated, what's the deal with gas prices? And if you haven't noticed, gas is under 2 bucks in most parts of the country now, unless you live in a state that taxes you out of the brains for your gasoline. Uh, I just drove by a place right now where gas was $1.86 a gallon, uh, right on my street, and it's not known to be the cheapest place in town for gas. Uh, I just saw diesel, which makes me happy, for about two ninety four. dollars uh, Diesel was up over 5 bucks in the middle of the summer. So, yeah, and they're still coming down. And the new projected uh, bottom for the gasoline market right now is somewhere between a dollar forty-five and a dollar sixty-five is what the, uh, the the market oracles are uh, forecasting. And they're forecasting that to occur relatively soon that the gas is going to still come down. Now, what? is going on because, you know, people that, that are in the survival mindset, one of our big concerns is peak oil. Will the, the world run out of oil? And uh, I think peak oil is a threat. I just don't think it's a threat any time in the next 10 years. Um, I do think astronomical gas prices are a threat in the next 10 years. How long will it take before we go back up? Well, how long is it going to take before this global recession ends? That's your answer. And how long until some of these other things I'm going to talk about today begin to kick in with infrastructure projects and things like that? But here's the deal. Gas is down because the demand is down. You know, when everybody was saying that Bush and Cheney were liars and they were just making lots of money for their buddies at Halliburton and all this other nonsensical crap, and uh, if it's, uh, you know, you haven't listened to many shows yet, trust me, I'm not a shill for Bush and Cheney. I'm not big fans of either one of the guys. I, I you know, like this new guy with this Obama guy even less, because uh, I think he's a socialist. But uh, I haven't been a fan of a president since Ronald Reagan. All right, that's that's how far I got to go back to even really be for a president. And he had his issues, too. Um, but, you know, this was just nonsense. When Bush was telling you, hey, you know what? Oil is based on supply and demand. And there is manipulation in the market, and it went higher than it should have. When it was at $147 a barrel, it probably should have been about $125 a barrel. That's still amazingly expensive for petroleum. All right, But now what's happened is the global economy, not the U.S. economy, yes, we're in a recession, whether they'll tell you that or not, uh, and, and it's most likely a de- the beginnings of a depression. And what's the difference between a depression and a recession, folks? A depression lasts longer. A depression is defined as a long, deep recession. That's a depression. Well, uh, if this thing goes away in a year, then it's a recession. If it goes away after three or four years, it's a depression. And I'm kind of feeling that way about this thing. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. And there's some things that could maybe pull us out of it. I'm just afraid that the things that would pull us out of it would create a bubble. But this is what's, and what I mean by that is that all this money that the Treasury's pumping in, and I'll I'll tell you how much money it really is, because the $750 they talk about is bullshit in in regards to the total amount of money that's been used to bail things out. but, but all that money coming in will have an effect. It will stimulate the economy. The problem is if it overstimulates the economy, uh, Americans have short memories. And if uh, everything starts to boom, everybody will forget and realize that the underlying prog- uh, problems will not be fixed by this. And unless we come out of this nice and slow... 
kind of a slow acceleration, fixing a lot of the things that were broken. If we just race out of it and go back to business as usual, you'll see the stock market go to new heights in three to four years. That's what will happen. If it, and I'm not saying it will. I don't know what's going to happen right now. A lot of times I tell you, this is what's going to happen. Right now, this is all up in the air based on a lot of different things in the world. But if these things come together and make the perfect storm for fake recovery, look for this huge spike. And then look for one of the biggest crashes of all time. This is either going to be the biggest crash you know, of this half of the century or it's going to be the prelude to the biggest crash. And it's up to the idiots in charge how it's going to play out. Uh, but yeah, this is what's driving down gas prices. It's just that everybody, everywhere is using less gas. When gas went way up, people went and got mopeds. They got motorcycles. And a lot of people now, because the economy's not good, even though the gas prices have down, whatever lifestyle changes they made, getting rid of their SUV, carpooling, telecommuting two days a week, etc., they're not changing that. They're keeping that behavior. And if you remember, I told you when gas was way, way, way up, that whatever you're doing now, to be that way when they went back down. I told you it would come back down. I advised you to come back down. I said, whatever you do to adjust, realize if you can adjust that way, stay that way, it'll give you even more surplus funds to save, to invest, and to make preparations with. All right. So I hope you do what everybody else is doing, which is they're not opening the checkbook and going out and picking up a new Hummer. All right. They're not going out and, and throwing throwing away whatever they did to make themselves more fuel efficient. So a combination of the, of the uh, global economy and contraction, uh, people that have just conserved on gas usage on their own, uh, is keeping the market down. There are some things that will maybe drive them back up. I mean, what we have to look at, when you talk about how bad is it when we say global, well, Germany right now it admits they're in a recession. It says it's the worst one they've had in 12 years. Um, and Germany is supposed to be the bastion of successful socialism. And they've done some things I'm pretty impressed with. Uh, if you want to do universal health care, and I don't, but if you want to do it right, Germany's probably done it better than most. Uh, it's not completely free. Uh, you do have to pay for it. Uh, uh, but they have a pretty good way to make sure that just about everybody can get uh, a reasonable form of insurance. I still think it's a flawed system, but you know they did, did a hell of a lot better than we will. Whatever we come up with, there I guarantee you theirs is better. Ours is probably going to look more like the UK's, and it's a disgrace. The UK healthcare system is a disgrace right now. Um, so Germany's in that recession. One more good thing about Germany. Germany's now generating 25% of their power from green energy sources. Uh, so they did that right. So I just don't, don't want to like beat up on Germany when I say they have the worst recession in 12 years. The, the reality is that many world governments have the worst recession in 12 years or 20 years. Uh, I just found an article about them so I can cite it. So what we have to start asking ourselves is what does this do, this, this decrease in gas prices? What does it open the door to? What does it close the door to? Well, the first thing we have to look about is what what of um, Obama's green jobs? Remember, we're going to create thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs in the green energy sector: solar, wind, hydro, you name it. We're going to we're going to take this country off foreign oil, and we're going to you know do all these great things. Well, countries in recession, countries broke, governments in a trillion dollar deficit. The hell with debt. We're in like ten trillion dollars just of the public debt. Uh, our total debt is unbelievable now. It's it's it, it can't even be paid back ever. Sooner or later that has to come down crashing. But you know, short term we're we're looking at a trillion dollar deficit next year. And uh, you know, that's that's not good. <laughs> 
But so how are we going to pay for all this stuff? And at the same time, you know, people were pretty hip with, hey, you know what? We need solar energy. We need wind energy. We'll pay the the premium that it takes to develop those technologies now. Hydrogen cars, hybrid cars, plug-in electrics. Uh, I don't care if they're 10000 more. I'll get that back in two years of driving with the way gas prices are. You know, that's when gas was 420 430 440 a gallon. What are people going to say to this whole plan when they can go out and buy gasoline for a dollar fifty? All right, and uh, you know the the right answer is I, I really am not a big fan of Barack Obama, but I'm not rooting for the guy to fail because if I root for Obama to fail, I'm rooting for the country to fail, and I want everybody that's against this guy to understand that if you root for him to fail, I think we need to keep him in check, we need to keep an eye on him, but we have not elected Hitler or Mussolini here. All right, he's going to have limits to what he can do, like any president, uh, and I think he'll try to do some really stupid shit, and when he does, we need to slam the door on him through our representatives in the Congress. We need to make those guys terrible afraid of us. We need to make our government afraid of the people again. All right. The, the problem is that people are afraid of the government right now. But when it comes to this thing, I think we do need to, to invest in green energy. I, I'd rather see a lot more come from the private sector. And if the government wants to help, I'd like to see it through tax breaks and tax incentives like the, uh, the tax credit that I told you about earlier. Starting next year, you go out and put a $10,000 solar array on the roof of your house and uh, you take $3,000 off your taxes next year. Not a deduction, a credit. So if at the end of the year you were going to owe uh, $15,000 in income tax, uh, now you owe twelve. So it was money you were going to have to pay anyway that's given back to you. So the effective cost of your $10,000 photovoltaic system is $7,000. I'd like to see more programs like that. I'm for cutting taxes and tax providing tax incentives wherever we can because it's the people's money anyway. And if, if the, that allows me to decide how my tax dollars are being spent, they're being spent in the green energy sector, but I get the direct results of it, all right, because I paid for it, right? That's that's true capitalism, not this, uh, this like, unadulterated, unregulated fascism that led us to this disaster on Wall Street. Uh, but, you know, my point is only that it's going to be a lot harder to get people to be willing to bear taxes and things like that to do all this stuff with green energy when oil is dropping through the floor because, again, Americans have short term memories. And I also want to point one thing out before I move on about oil prices. There's a lot of you people out there that are idiots, and you're probably not listening to me, alright, if you're an idiot. But a lot of you are idiots. And I'm starting to hear this now. See, we elected Obama and gas prices are coming down. Electing Obama has nothing to do with gas prices coming down. Gas prices have been sliding for about 60 days prior to the election, which is about when this entire global meltdown came. Gas prices and Obama have nothing to do with each other. Just like gas prices in Bush have very little to nothing to do with each other. And if John McCain were president-elect, guess what? Gas would still be selling where it is today. And if... Uh, who's that guy that, that screwed up real bad? John Edwards, right? God, what a jerk off. If he was president-elect, gas prices would be where they are. If Ron Paul was president-elect, uh, gas prices might even be lower because maybe America would be waking up to reality. But, uh, you know, that would be what we do, not what Ron did. All right. So my point is, the president doesn't affect this. And, these, and you hear some idiot out there telling you Barack Obama made gas come down. Do me a favor. Smack him in the freaking ear. That's just a nonsensical bullshit I've ever heard. Uh, moving on, though, let's talk about you know some of these other things that are going on with the economy. 
there's no you know secret right now that the U.S. automakers are in trouble. GM, Ford, Chrysler are in deep shit. Well, the government was pledging them $25 billion. And uh, I talked about that before. I'm not really opposed to it because the, re- the reason they're giving them that money is because our freaking government came out with all these new standards and, and caused them to have to retool to meet emissions requirements, manufacturing requirements, environmental requirements, and things like that. So our government said, Ford, this is what you will do in the next 10 years with your manufacturing process. And basically, this $25 billion split up among the three pays for those. But now the, the, the Congress and the Secretary are looking at, the, at GM, Ford, and Chrysler and going, are your businesses even viable? Are we going to give you this money and then you're going to go bankrupt anyway? So they're, they're talking about not giving them the money, and then they're talking about giving them more money. But I want to tell you the truth about why these guys are in trouble. It's not because people don't drive American cars. That contributes, but it's not the big problem. All the huge freaking union contracts going back for decades and the retiree benefits, specifically health insurance benefits, that these guys are being saddled with today makes their cost of production double what Toyota's cost of production is when Toyota's manufacturing vehicles in Tennessee. All right, so it's not because of these foreign importation things at all. It's it's exactly what it is. The unions have gone to bat for the worker, and they've insisted, you just give us this, you must give us that. And it's part of the problem the American worker has of seeing an employer as a bottomless pit of money. Well, those guys have it. They should give it to us. Well, you know what? I'll tell you guys, and if you're a union guy, I'm sorry to piss you off with this, but the unions in the auto industry anyway, you've reached the bottom of the bucket. All right? You're killing the companies that pay your benefits and pay your workers. And you're destroying your own industry. And when it goes broke, you're not going to get the money anyway. So the smart thing right now to save the industry would be for these unions to wake the hell up and renegotiate this stuff into something more palatable so that the companies could be salvaged. It ain't going to happen. You're going to probably see two, if not all three, of the major U.S. audio automakers go into bankruptcy. That does not mean they're going to go away. What it means they're going to do is restructure, and they're going to they're going to screw over all the retirees instead of cutting a good deal. All right, a good deal could be cut right now. Something that lets everybody come out with something positive, a good negotiation. It ain't going to happen because the unions are stupid. And if you don't agree with that, let me know how you feel when you see the first one of them go bankrupt, and you see all the people get screwed that work for them, especially the people that already did work for them, and you see all the retirement benefits go to pot, because by the time it happens, things will be so dire that instead of being able to negotiate something that's reasonable, that gives the type of health care to the retired worker that the current worker has, instead of this prima donna policy that's so expensive to the retired worker who hasn't done anything for 15 years, and is still carrying these benefits like they were in the freaking military, and everybody's hosed, let's talk about it then. Because we'll have to wait and see if I'm right about that. But once it happens, you'll know but I'm giving you the straight dope on this, and that's what's going to happen. You're going to see at minimum one merger and one bankruptcy out of the, out of three. And I, I'm thinking more like two bankruptcies in a merger. You'll see a bankruptcy, and then the strongest of the three uh, will step in and, and, and suck up one of the bankruptcies. Uh, and you might see three bankruptcies and then a merger. 
seriously, because that's the only way out of this trap that they're in that's absolutely killing them that they cannot afford to pay. Because in case you ain't noticed, car sales ain't going to be booming anytime soon, and these guys are out of money. I mean, GM's saying that their money might run out, zero, no more cash flow by January. All right? No more money. You unions, you got, you, oh, we're going to make sure we get ours. Well, you got yours. All right? And now it's gone. All right? Because if you sell a product and you make a profit of $1,000 off it, there's only $1,000 worth of profit to be distributed. And when you start distributing $1,001 of profit and you do it long enough, sooner or later you destroy a company. That's what's killed our automakers. Well, let's look across the ocean to where GM seems to be staking its future for its recovery to China. Yeah, you heard me, China. Watch GM go to China. China's doing manufacturing in the auto industry, and people think a Chinese car is a cheap car. You know what? China's fixing to come out with a really cool luxury car. Uh, I don't know if their their timing's very good, but it's going to be a luxury car that's designed to compete with $50,000 luxury cars for about $34,000, $35,000. They're planning to bring that to America in early 2009, and it's a beautiful car. China's doing manufacturing for Mercedes and BMW right now. They're learning by outsourcing so that they can build build for themselves. And the latest people to be making inroads into China from the auto industry are GM. And at the same time that we pissed out a $750 billion economic stimulus package, a bailout, which, again, folks, was $850 billion when it actually passed. I don't know why people keep calling it a $700 billion uh, bailout. It's not a $700 billion bailout. They called it that. You guys called the Congress and you told them you would kill them if they passed it. They turned it down. It came back for $850 billion and they passed it. All right, we printed money. China just passed their own bailout. They're calling it a stimulus. They're pumping $586 billion of their currency into their economy. Now, what are we doing with our $850 billion? Well, primarily, what we were supposed to do, what we were sold that would be done, is that we would go in and buy bad mortgages. We would then let the government renegotiate with the mortgage holder to pay what the mortgage holder could afford to pay and keep people in their houses. Um, yeah, they're not doing that now. They lied again. Oh, gee, what a surprise. They lied. All right. What they're doing now is they're buying stock in failed banks. So that just pumps money right into the bank, and then the bank can do whatever it wants to. And they can talk about all this golden parachute bullshit all they want, but you know what? These executives and these banks are making sure that they still have their expense accounts and their little private jets to fly all over the place in. And yeah, they got to stay at the bank to take the money, but they'll stay at the bank. They'll keep paying themselves the salary that they've always paid themselves. They won't get their big bonuses, but they don't care because their lifestyle isn't going to change one bit. And we're not even really understanding where the money's going, and I can't tell you because I don't know. And that's the big problem. Um, so that's where our money's going. They're buying stuff in the banks. And with all the shit they're doing, now we're starting to hear rumbles. That, yeah, the American taxpayer is probably going to have to open up his wallet. Even some of the congressional jackasses that were all, yeah, we're going to give you Barack Obama's tax cuts. We're with them. We're Democrats. Yeah, they're starting to say, yeah, we might have to raise everybody's taxes now. 
Not even in office yet. Already starting to shift. But what's China doing with their $586 billion? China's communist. China's socialist. God, they have to be screwing up their bailout more than us, don't they? Um, no. Uh, $586 billion. Much of it is going to tax cuts. Yes? The Chinese have pumped money into their economy, and they are using it to cut taxes for their people. We're using it to bail out freaking Bear Stearns, AIG, Wall Street, and failed miserable banks all across our nation. The China pump money into their economy. They give their people a tax cut to put more money in the pockets of their people because they know if their people have more money, they'll spend it. If they spend it, it will help the economy recover. What the hell does that sound like? Gee, that sounds like conservative economics from China, while the United States is practicing fascist economics by bailing out major corporations with no real oversight of what the hell's going on. Alright? China's also using it to improve health care, uh, which they already have socialized health care, so they're using it for things like projects to, uh, to improve hospitals and things like that. And a huge piece of it is going into building more infrastructure. They're taking the Dwight D. Eisenhower approach after World War II and improving the highway system throughout the nation of China, knowing that if there's better transportation, that their economy will be able to move more things within the boundaries of their own nation, making them more independent of the rest of the world, because they've learned the lesson that our money is as only as good as our economy is, and when our economy shits the bed, which it has, we stop buying their Chinese-made plastic bullshit. So the Chinese take their money, they put it in tax cuts, healthcare improvement, and infrastructure. The United States takes our $850 billion, not $700 billion. Don't let, next time somebody says $700 billion, say no, eight fifty. Just for that, I'm going to tell you the real bill here in a minute, and you're going to shit, all right, because it's over $2 trillion. But they do that, we bail out the banks. We, buy, we let our government buy control of our banks. See, when you buy stock in a company, you buy control of a company. And when you start buying billions, and it's not like you. You go out and buy $10,000 worth of Exxon, you phone up the CEO of Exxon and go, hey, I own a... Uh, you know, a uh, thousand shares of Exxon. And he says, yeah, I don't give a shit. Right? You won't put it to you that way. But that's what he basically tell you. I want you to do this. I don't care. We have a fiduciary responsibility to our other millions of stockholders. Now, you go into Exxon and buy a billion dollars worth of Exxon stock, you become a significant shareholder. You end up sitting at the table. You get to help make decisions. You get to demand decisions because they're scared shitless. You'll take your money, sell off your stock, drive their price down by dumping that much of it at one time, and go somewhere else with it like, I don't know, Mexico. Right? That's a fear when you own that much of a company. Our government's doing that with our bank system. While China gives tax cuts to its people. <laughs> Absolutely unfreaking believable people. And this is why you need to be building that better life. Because this is the kind of stupidity that our government is practicing today. And it ain't Bush's fault, and it ain't even going to be Obama's fault. It's our fault, because we've let these assholes stay in office for 30 years, some of these senators. All right? Senate, the Senate and the Congress have more to do this with than any president ever will. We, we don't pay attention to the races that matter most. A lot of this, when I was watching the election results come in, so 
so-and-so jackoff from Jackoffville, Jackoff State. Uh, he just got reelected for the sixth time to the United States Senate. Friends, 30 years. 30 freaking years. We've got to start sending some of these assholes home. Let them go live with the laws and the reality that they created. Now, let me wrap up here. I know today was kind of a rant, but I just don't want you to take your eye off this and think we're through it and think we're over it, because we're not over it, we're not through it, and it hasn't really gotten much better yet. All right, It's going to get worse, and I want you to understand that. The bailout. The $700 billion bailout that's actually an $850 billion bailout. How much is it already? Not how much will it be, how much money has already been allocated for it today. Well, as I said, what actually passed Congress and the Senate was signed by the President, Secretary Paulson, and then the new Secretary who will come in under Obama was given $850 billion, not $750. Well, we also printed $30 billion for the Bear Stearns bailout, which is no different than the way these, well, it's different, but it's not from our checkbook standpoint. All right, It's just like giving money to these other failed banks. We just did it individually to them first. AIG, remember $75 billion, $80 billion, right? And that's $150 billion. They just doubled. Nobody really talked about it much. $150 billion uh, on the AIG takeover. Uh, Freddie and Fannie together, $200 billion. $200 billion It's costing you and me. All right. It doesn't cost Chris Dodd and Barney Frank $200 billion. It cost me and you $200 Because they'll just give themselves a pay raise. All right? So, another $245 billion got pumped in by the Fed. This was the backdoor stuff I was talking about. Because the commercial paper market seized up. Companies couldn't get money. Banks wouldn't loan each other money. The funds in the commercial paper market started to dry up. So the Fed just printed another $245 billion and pumped it into that market and unseized it. They made the money flow. All right? Then... The money market started to go crazy because people were pulling their cash out. All right, so it's, it's kind of like a savings account, but a little bit different. A money market's generally used to uh, make a little bit better interest rate. It's kind of a fund that's in cash, basically. And most people use it to hold money while they're waiting for the next stock to buy. Well, people started extracting their cash from money markets, like no end. So what did that cost us? <laughs> you think Freddie was big at 200? You think the commercial paper market was big at 245? 540 billion dollars. Fed pumped that, just printed, typed some numbers in a computer, because we don't even print it anymore in the paper. And just created out of thin freaking air another $540 billion. You add them up, you know what you get? $2.15 trillion in bailout slash stimulus in 2008. $2.15 trillion. Folks, our national public debt is around $10 trillion. Now, the actual debt's much bigger than that, because that doesn't include public de- uh, um, private debt. It doesn't include Social Security, unfunded obligations. It doesn't include uh, commercial loans. It doesn't include the money that you and I owe, all right, because our debt is part of the national debt as well. That, that number I, I can't even talk about today because it makes me sick in the stomach. But we just took the public debt that's $10 trillion, and we just threw the $1.5 trillion on it. Yeah, okay, yay! 
That's what's going on right now. That's why this stuff's not going to get better. That's why even though when all the market came down, and, and, and if you're a survivalist, maybe you were going, oh, here it is. Here it is. And you look around, and everybody's still driving to work, and uh, most people still are employed, and everything still seems to be okay. Um, it's not okay. And I don't say I have to scare you because I don't want you to be scared. If you've listened to my show enough, by now you should know I want you to be empowered. I want you to know that what you do matters. But I want to drive home the point. But if anybody's looking at you now from the outside saying, yeah, you're a survivalist. Look, the whole world didn't end with this. How much worse can it get? The answer is it can get a lot worse. And the other thing we have to be aware of is I always believe that when you're down is when you get kicked. And this is just a perfect time by Murphy's Law for something like a pandemic flu to hit and really hit us while we're down or some country out there to take a shot at us. I mean, Barack Obama's own running mate, Joe Lieberman, not Joe Lieberman, I'm sorry, that's that's an insult uh, to Joe Lieberman, Joe Biden. Uh, said that Barack Obama will be tested early in his administration, that one of our enemies will move against us. That's not real heartwarming to hear from your own running mate. And I think, you know, of all the things Biden's been wrong about, he's probably right about that. So some type of terrorist attack right now, I mean, there's there's all types of things that could happen. So do you get paranoid? Do you run to your bunker? Do you hide? No. What you do is you keep doing what you've always done. You keep planning to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. And if nothing goes wrong, you're still okay. And if something does go wrong, you're still okay. And the people that have behaved like a grasshopper all through the summer are going to have to endure a very hard winter. And I'm sure you'll help somebody. You'll help somebody if you can. But you won't be able to help everybody. You know, we have these these stickers that are available in the forum. I'll mention them again that say, Be an ant, not a grasshopper. And they're available for free from uh, Jeremiah on the forum. He did this all on his own, and I appreciate it. But that really is a big part of what we're all about. And I'm getting ready to put some T-shirts out soon. And that's what it's going to say on the back. Be an ant, not a grasshopper. And the reality is you don't save the grasshoppers by taking them in when it's cold. You save grasshoppers by turning them into ants. And you do that by your example. By having a good you know, organic vegetable garden in the backyard. By not blowing all your money. By not having every penny in the stock market. That's just foolish. I don't care how good times are. All right, You have to have some cash reserves by investing in things like silver and gold in small quantities over time. All right? By by driving fuel efficient vehicles whether times are good or times are bad, why not? You know, if you need a truck for a job, do it. We have a big truck. Yeah, you know, my wife drives 14 miles round trip to work and back. She drives the truck. I have a fuel efficient car. I drive 100 miles to work and back. I drive a car that gets 44 miles to the gallon. She drives a truck that gets about 16, 18 miles to the gallon. All right? So the right vehicle for the right situation. You know, conserve electricity. Just be an example. And just remember, above all, what you do matters. From the, you know, apocalypse down to basic survival situations. People that get lost in the woods. People that get stuck in a hurricane. The rescuers that rescue people and save people say that the ones that make it, the biggest thing they have in common, be it a cold mountaintop in Washington State or a ravaged hurricane city down on the Gulf of Mexico, they understand that what they do matters. I hope you understand that what you do matters. I hope you keep tuning in to more episodes about the Survival Podcast. Tomorrow, I promise you, we'll go off the economy. We'll go back to another practical subject. I try to keep things varied around here. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Again, this has been Jack Spear. Go with the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. You can scream and you can holler. It really doesn't matter, cause it 
all get spent 